0: Welcome to Crime, Colts, and
1: Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Brynn. And I am fucking dying to hear about your Salem experience.
0: <laughs> so this past weekend, I went to Salem for my best friend Amanda's bachelorette party. And it was amazing. Of course. Sounds so Salem, fun. Yeah, Salem is always amazing. I just, it's like a home away from home. The feeling in Salem, the whole vibe of Salem is just, it's hard to explain. I love it. Yeah, we actually stayed in a haunted hotel. Of course. Yeah, and our room specifically that we stayed in was called the haunted room because it's haunted.
1: (laughs) Oh my god. So was this like a house turned into a hotel or like what was it?
0: Yeah, it's a house. Okay. Basically, the room that we stayed in... The first night, nothing really happened. And then the second night, we decided to have a little seance-type situation. Oh, my God. And we were all sitting in the bedroom, and we were asking questions. There was audible noise around us. Like what? Like knocking on the wall. What? Yeah. Within this building, one of the ghosts that is supposed to haunt this place is a cat. And at one point, we heard something that sounded like a cat scratching on the wall.
1: What the fuck as you were doing this?
0: Yes. And we were all completely silent, obviously trying to hear things. Actually, the first night, something did happen, and we kind of pieced it together later on. Mm -hmm. So this one girl that was with us, one of Amanda's friends, she has a cat allergy, and she started having a really bad allergic reaction. (laughs)
1: what the fuck and you didn't realize until the next day
0: yeah and we ended up reading up about the place and it said some people are known to have an like an allergic reaction like they would with a cat and it's because of the ghost cat oh my god (laughs) yeah what the hell yeah it was crazy but it was so much fun we went to a broom shop we made our own brooms
1: i'm so fucking jealous i (laughs) need to say
0: I saw videos and I'm like, God damn it. We'll go and have an experience there. I promise you, we have to. It would be so much fun. And we just did so many different really cool things. There's just so much to do in Salem and just all different kinds of experiences to have there. And I feel like we went at a really good time because if you go in October, the place is so packed obvious for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And... You'll be waiting in a line for, like, three hours for something. Oh, my God. Yeah. And when we went now, I mean, it's mid-September, so Halloween decorations were already out and, like, spooky season stuff already started, but there was no lines.
1: I was going to say, it's probably, like, not as fucking crazy Yeah, as when, like, October is.
0: Yeah. And it was really funny because the one day – well, the first day we were there, we all dressed like American Horror Story Coven – Oh my god. And we were walking around literally everywhere we walked people were stopping us and being like can we take a picture of you guys or oh my gosh your outfits are so cool and just like commenting on our outfits and we were like why are we standing out so much in Salem?
1: That's what I was gonna say but
0: that's amazing. Yeah we didn't expect it but it was really funny. And Oh my god. Yeah and it was so nice to hear everyone was like you're such a vibe oh my god you look like american horror story coven and we were like that was the goal
1: (laughs) oh my god i love it so much
0: yeah it was really fun so congrats to amanda she's getting married next month congrats amanda we love you yeah we love you so much that's so much
1: fun i'm jealous but we have to go i'm glad you had a good time though
0: thank you do you have anything you want to talk about before we get into our coffee
1: review let's see my life nothing is happening oh oh yes i do have something i have a new recommendation of a show it is so fucking good i'm super into like the '80s, 90s type shows like based in that era yeah same yeah and this one's called tell me lies and it's on hulu
0: i've heard of this i've been wanting to start it once i'm done with only murders
1: yes the only thing that sucks so much is like it's one of those things where hulu releases an episode a week okay so i mean i think there's like three episodes out right now maybe four but i'm super into it i'm obsessed
0: with it and
1: i think everyone should watch it
0: awesome thanks yeah. for the rack. yeah okay so should we get into our coffee review Yes,
1: I'm so excited about this one. We're reviewing coffee from Barista Parlor, and they are based out of Nashville, Tennessee. They have so many locations in Nashville. So I know everybody's going there for bachelorette parties and whatnot. You need to check out these places. Their shops look amazing. So cool. Very, like, cozy, warm coffee shop vibes. So I'm going to read a little bit about their About Me from their website, and their website is parlor.com, and uh, we'll link that as well, as we always do. So this is from their website. Barista Parlor sources the highest quality coffee from the most forward-thinking and environmentally responsible farms in the world. We strive to blend art and commerce, support locally sourced products, and sustain an atmosphere that cultivates creativity and community. We strive to make Barista Parlor a place to encourage personal creativity and a place to be this special part of your day. Beautiful. Yeah. And like I said, they have tons of different locations, but you need to look up the pictures of the inside of this place because I just want to go and take a nap there or like read a book. (laughs)
0: And sip coffee, of course. It looks so cute, all of their places. Yeah, and the the girl that we spoke with who literally arranged to send us coffee from them, shout out Emily. She said she was going to give our podcast a listen, and I feel like just the vibe from her – I feel like they have really great people working for them. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out because she was an absolute delight to speak with.
1: Amazing. And I'm just going to mention this because I need to buy one of each. They have the most amazing looking chocolate on their website. I am dying. Okay. So here's some of the flavors. Almond Crunch. Yum. Daredevil and Strawberry. Okay. Golden Sound and Caramel. Lime (laughs) and Coconut. They all sound amazing, and there's
0: so many of them on their website. That sounds delicious. Going to have to order some. I know. I'm dead. So speaking of Golden Sound, because Kelsey mentioned that was a chocolate, that is the name of the coffee that we're reviewing today, Golden Sound. It's a Central America coffee, and the notes, I'm going to read their little, like, blurb for this coffee. So you'll get the notes in there. When we source coffees for our blends, we seek to combine components that provide clarity, balanced body, and pleasant sweetness. With this iteration of Golden Sound, we sought to build on the foundation of the prior version by aiming for smooth chocolate, sweet apple, and subdued nuttiness in the two coffees selected. Yum. So the notes are apple, nutty, chocolate.
1: Okay, so I'm just going to say this right off the bat. As I was grinding up the beans, Carson was sitting in the kitchen with me Mm -hmm. and immediately we both smell it. And I'm like, what do you smell? And he's like, I don't know why. And I was like, I smell chocolate right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know the notes in it. But honestly, that's what I taste the most and the nuttiness.
0: Yeah, I taste a little hint of the apple and I was going to say, that I think this is the first fruity coffee, if you want to call it that, since the apple notes aren't too extreme. Mm -hmm. This is the first fruity coffee that I'm actually enjoying.
1: I really like this one. I don't know why it gives me like fall vibes, but it does. Maybe it's the apple, but I really like it.
0: Agreed. I'm on the same page. And it's definitely a really smooth coffee. You can taste a little hint of boldness. I feel like the nuttiness kind of brings that out. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not bitter by any means.
1: No, definitely not. I think this is really, really good coffee.
0: Agreed. What would you rate this? Oh, I think I'm going to give it an 8.5. I was going to do the same.
1: Really freaking good. I can't stop I'm drinking it. it. I'm going to be up all night.
0: Yeah, I'm loving it. And I want to point out one more thing because we're going to have to do this. The girl that I spoke to, Emily, from there, she mentioned in one of the emails that they come out with a Halloween coffee.
1: I'm looking right now. They have seasonal coffee.
0: Yes, they come out with a Halloween one. And she was like, you guys might want to try this because it seems right up your alley. So I had just emailed her back before this episode started, actually. And I'm like, we are definitely jumping all that." Oh, my God. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So can't wait to try that as well.
1: Yes. Thank you so much, Emily. We will be reviewing them again in the future because they sent us so many samples. So thank yeah. you so much. We appreciate it.
0: So kind, Barista Parlor. We appreciate you. And I just want to give a little shout out to their Instagram as well Is Barista Parlor. So check them out on Instagram.
1: Guys, also the holidays are coming up. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, not even Halloween yet, but a good gift for anybody that likes coffee is a coffee subscription and they have coffee subscriptions on their website. $20 a month for a coffee subscription is a really good deal for somebody that you want to buy a gift for.
0: Nice pointing that out. That's a really good idea. All right.
1: So should we get started? Let's do it. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Okay, so today's case is actually suggested by one of our listeners named Kristen. So thank you so, so much for sending us this recommendation.
0: Thank you, Kristen. And she is always jumping on that wagon of interaction with us which i have to say we love and we love you thank you
1: i love that so much and sorry it's taken us a while to get around like we had mentioned it takes us a while to get to all of the cases that people have recommended because we have amazing people that listen to our podcast and they send us a bunch at a time so Mm -hmm. thank you so much so today's case is about brian Schaefer. a little bit of background he was born brian randall Schaefer on February 25, 1979, in Pinkerton, Ohio. This is a suburb outside of Columbus, Ohio, and that is also where he grew up. He was 27 years old at the time of this story, and his parents were Randy, who is his father, and Renee, who is his mother. He was the oldest of two sons, and Derek was his younger brother. 1997, he graduated from high school, and then he went off to Ohio State University for undergrad. After six years, he graduated with a microbiology degree. Wow, he's smart. hmm And in 2004, he went to OSU College of Medicine. March of 2006, it was Brian's second year at this school when his mom unfortunately passed away from myelodysplasia. His mom's passing was extremely hard for him, understandably, especially being in med school. Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what he had to go through. That's a lot in general with having med school on top of that. While in medical school, Brian began a relationship with fellow medical student Alexis Wagner. Family, friends, and Alexis all thought that Brian would possibly propose to her in 2006. That's really sweet. Brian and Alexis had planned a trip for spring break in April of that year, and they were actually planning on going to Miami, so they all thought that, like, this is where this proposal would happen, in Miami. Brian loved tropical locations and relaxed atmospheres. He told friends that even though he was in the medical field, his dream would be to start a band. Oh my god, I love that. I feel like that's not very common, he seems so chill. and Yeah, and down to earth. Mm-hmm. He wanted to play music similar to Jimmy Buffett, so that's what kind of band he wanted to be
0: in. I love that so much. Me too. I would listen to his music. Same. Now we're on to Friday, March 31st, 2006. It was the beginning of spring break, and that night Brian and his dad Randy went out for a steak dinner to kind of like celebrate this spring break Because obviously he had a lot on his workload with being in the medical profession.
1: Right. So he was like, this is the beginning of the break.
0: Yeah. Randy said that he noticed that Brian, quote, seemed exhausted from having pulled all-nighters earlier in the week, cramming for some important upcoming exams. And that was a quote from Wiki. Later on, Brian and a friend went out to celebrate. So even though he seemed tired, he still pushed through and kind of rallied. (laughs) Yeah. 9 o'clock p.m., Brian met his friend William Clint Florence at a bar called the Ugly Tuna Saluna.
1: That is such a funny name.
0: It's so fun. I love it.
1: I read that. I was like, wow, that is a really great name for a bar.
0: Yeah. (laughs) The Ugly Tuna Saluna was located on High Street in Columbus, Ohio. It was in the South Campus Gateway Complex. Around 10 p.m., Brian called his girlfriend, Alexis. She had gone to her home in Toledo to visit her family before her and Brian were to leave for their Miami trip. And he kind of called to confirm their trip, but to also tell her that he loved her. Oh, my
1: God. They were probably so excited for this. Mm-hmm.
0: After this, for the rest of the night, Brian, and we're going to refer to him by his last name, Florence, even though he was known by a lot of people as Clint. Brian and Florence, his friend, went bar hopping to a couple other bars. According to Florence, the men each had one shot at every place they stopped. And I had read in other articles that they also like randomly would have a beer here and there as well. They eventually made their way to the arena district in Columbus.
1: So now we're on to the early morning hours of April 1st, 2006. Sometime after 12 a.m., Brian and Florence met up with Florence's friend Meredith Reed. They met her in the Short North, which is another neighborhood in Columbus. According to Wikipedia, the Short North is, quote, immediately north of the Arena District and extending until just south of the University District and Ohio State University. The three then went back to the ugly tuna saloon, and Reed had given them a ride there, so she must have not been drinking as much as them. At this bar, Brian became separated from them. Allegedly, Florence and Reed both tried to find Brian and called his phone multiple times, but he wasn't picking up. 2 a.m., the bar closed, and Florence and Reed waited outside for Brian as other people left the bar. They were probably thinking, like, he got, you know, caught up in the mix of people. We'll just wait outside for him to come out. Yeah. But Brian never came out, so they then assumed that he had left without telling them. Later that weekend, it wasn't really specified which day, Brian's dad, Randy, and Brian's girlfriend, Alexis, both tried calling him but got no answer. I'm just going to backtrack a little bit by saying... And I'm not blaming anybody for anything. But his friends should have definitely tried figuring out where he was a little sooner than the weekend coming up.
0: I feel like they probably thought he just went home. But personally, especially if someone just vanished like that out of a bar, I would be like, okay, I need to know where they are before I get in bed for the night.
1: (laughs) Right. Or at least like give somebody a heads up like, hey, I didn't see them leave. I don't know where they're at. Can you check in on them? Yeah. Maybe that happened. I don't know. But it didn't specify. Mm-hmm. So, Monday morning after the weekend was over, Brian missed his flight to Miami. So, after missing this flight, he was reported missing to the Columbus police.
0: That is terrifying. I cannot imagine what his girlfriend was thinking when he just wasn't there.
1: I have the chills thinking about this because clearly, like, he checked in with her before this night even happened like he was excited about going she was excited about going and then it's like the anticipation was there and then he was just gone
0: right and they were even thinking he might propose on this trip so there right. was no freaking way he was missing this
1: right i mean it's just that's absolutely terrifying
0: mm-hmm.
1: so on to the investigation where the hell is brian Schaefer? police began searching for him at the ugly tuna Saluna. And again, this is the bar where he was last seen. The bar actually installed security cameras recently, and the footage was reviewed. At 1.15 a.m., the footage showed Brian, Reed, and Florence going up the escalator of the main entrance. At 1.55 a.m., Brian was spotted on the camera outside of the bar. And just remember like last call was very shortly after that so he was seen just outside of the bar.
0: That's so strange because that's literally five minutes or well let let's give it some leeway five to ten minutes before his friends were standing out there waiting for him to come out.
1: right like how could he have gone so far in five minutes? Yeah. Outside uh, on the security cameras at 1.55 a.m., he was talking to two women and then moved out of the camera's frame to walk back towards the bar entrance. It was assumed that Brian re-entered the bar from this angle, but the cameras did not record him leaving when the bar was closed.
0: I wonder if, with that angle they could know for sure if he re-entered the bar. Right. Or if he just walked off or something.
1: And didn't they have, like, I guess you want to see the main angle if your security cameras would be at the front entrance, but, like, do not you think there would be more that could pick him up somewhere else? I don't know, that's so
0: strange to me. From other buildings, you mean, if he were walking or something?
1: Or, like, just different portions of the bar. Why would you, I don't know, I mean, it's unlucky, but why would you only have just, like, one security camera facing the front of the entrance you know
0: well i think they do they did have one inside we're gonna yeah. get to that
1: he just wasn't but, yeah.
0: yeah so the police theorized that brian could have changed his clothes in the bar and put on a hat to shield his eyes from the camera which we'll get a little bit into that a little later on it's also possible the camera missed him leaving because quote one panned across the area constantly and the other camera was operated manually. And that was a quote from Wiki, which is a little strange. Like why? Who do you have manually operating a camera? I was thinking the same thing. Like I'm
1: picturing a movie theater where like somebody's just sitting behind a screen moving back and forth the camera.
0: Yeah, that's so odd. What's the point of even having a camera like that?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense. Maybe security guard is like in charge of Keeping an eye on things from a bird's eye view and then checking the. I don't know. It's just so weird.
0: There is another exit that the camera would not have seen, and it was a service door. It was not open to the public and it exited into a construction zone, which would have been very hard for an intoxicated person to walk through, apparently.
1: Yeah, I feel like I don't know. I don't have my opinions yet. We'll talk about it later.
0: Officers looked into footage from other bars to see if Brian was seen exiting the ugly tuna saloon. So they did look at some other places within the area. But the cameras from the three surrounding bars didn't show any footage of him.
1: Like how? Where the fuck did he go?
0: So I feel like that kind of answered my question right there. Because unless he walked in a different direction and somehow avoided their cameras, like let's say their cameras were also manually operated... It would have shown him not going back in the bar. Right. Just walking down the road or whatever. Police and police dogs began searching the area surrounding the bar, including dumpsters, checking with people that live nearby, and looking on the streets for traces of him. Flyers were distributed, which showed a tattoo on his arm of a stick figure logo from the single Alive by Pearl Jam,
1: It just doesn't seem like the person that would just kind of, like, up and leave willingly.
0: Right, or leave even leave a bar without telling someone. Like, just, like, ditching his friends. Like, I can't really see... From what we know of him, I can't really see him being that kind of person.
1: Yeah.
0: This tattoo was on his upper right arm, and the flyers also noted a distinctive fleck in one of his irises. The police even searched the sewer system... But had no luck in finding Brian. Brian lived six blocks from the bar and his car was still parked outside. And nothing looked to be missing from his car.
1: So I feel like that's just even sketchier. Like it would be different if it looked like his car was like ransacked or something. I don't know. It's just so weird.
0: Yeah. Even if it looked like he had ruffled through it for something and took off or. Right. People that saw Brian that night agreed to a lie detector test, including Randy, who again was his father, and Reed, who again was the girl that had driven him to the one bar that was friends with his friend Florence. They both passed, and Florence refused to take one. Remember, Florence was his best friend. Part of me doesn't understand why this is, like, kind of included in articles anymore because yeah
1: I mean it doesn't really mean much of anything right
0: like this day and age people know how reliable those tests can be and it's like yeah someone could look sketchy for not taking one but I've made a point on here to say before like I would never take one yeah so I don't know I feel like take that with a grain of salt
1: what it measures i feel like it does not have correlation to the end result and i I just don't even think it should be used anymore to be honest with you
0: no and what is it gonna do because you can't it's not admissible in court
1: and And it it could possibly like raise an eyebrow to somebody that's like zero zero involvement in anything
0: right it might be someone who literally is fucking anxious and their heart rate is just up because they're nervous like who knows doesn't make any sense So the two women Brian was seen talking to on camera were eventually identified. But in 2009, they said they had never even been asked to take a polygraph.
1: Which, again, I don't see the significance of that either, you know?
0: Right. When I had read that, I was just thinking, well, I hope even if they weren't asked to take a polygraph, That doesn't also correlate with them never being interviewed, like, fully interviewed. Right. And asked, oh, did you see where he walked off to? Or why were you talking? What was the conversation? Did he seem like he was wasted? Did he seem okay and coherent? I hope they were fully interviewed.
1: Right. I don't think the polygraph means anything. Were they interviewed? Did they have questioning? Like, Did they have any suspicion of what could have happened? Right. So, Alexis Wagner, who, again, was Brian's girlfriend, called his phone every night after his disappearance. Mm. That makes my heart break.
0: I feel for her so bad. Like, that's... I I cannot imagine. Literally just left on the worst
1: cliffhanger, almost. I I can't even imagine that. The phone would always go to voicemail, but one night in September... It rang three times, which she said hadn't happened before. Wow. She wrote this on her MySpace page. Quote, I kept calling it to hear it purely because it was one of the best sounds I have ever heard, even if no one picked up. (sighs) So sad.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Singular was Brian's wireless provider, and they said that what she heard was likely due to a computer glitch more than anything, like the three rings that one night. Which, I don't know what to think about that.
0: No, because it could have also been someone potentially turning on the phone.
1: Right, you don't know. Right. If it was a glitch or not. Right. A ping was also detected at a cell tower in Hillard, which was 14 miles or 23 kilometers northwest of Columbus. The GPS was not enabled on his phone, so an actual location could not be identified, unfortunately. But his cell phone still had a ping. Right. So. Either he was heading in that direction
0: somehow or I don't know. It's still also odd that it was 14 miles from Columbus when he was last seen in Columbus. Right. So either someone had his phone or he brought it there or what the fuck happened?
1: I know. I'm so confused. Police began receiving tips, but nothing really panned out from them.
0: Before you move on, I have one more comment about that cell phone thing. I hope they checked that area to try to find that cell phone.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like you get a ping in a cell tower and it it, it gives you such a rough location. But, you know, yeah, I really hope they search that area as well.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, it could be a really broad search. But even if they mention to people in that area, oh, keep an eye out if you find this random phone right turn it in or did they look in that area for him at all
1: yeah I just wish there was
0: more information
1: yeah this part makes me so happy and sad at the same time the lead singer of Pearl Jam Eddie Vedder asked during his concert for tips of Brian Schaefer's disappearance so nice that is just so sweet because he knew he was a Pearl Jam fan Mm mm-hmm After more than a year, Brian's credit cards, cell phone, and bank accounts still hadn't been used. That's so
0: scary. I know. Because that shows you that something is really, really wrong. It's terrifying. Obviously, something's wrong, but that just makes it that much much more terrifying.
1: Right. There were possible sightings in Michigan, Texas, and Sweden, and they were all investigated but proved to be wrong. Like, they, they weren't actually him. Randy Schaefer continued the search on his own for his son. A psychic said that Brian's body was in water near a bridge pier. Mm -hmm. So Randy and Randy's other son, Brian's brother, Derek, and others spent time looking along the shores of the Olentangy River, which flows near OSU's campus.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So that just, I don't know, I hope the medium didn't give them false hope, but the fact that they spent probably so much time searching those areas with no result, it just makes me so sad.
0: Right, and just wading in the water, literally, like, that's traumatizing. It is. So on to some theories.
1: Brian could have gotten into some kind of accident and has still yet to be found, which I feel like that's pretty tough to not find an accident you know right i feel like by now it would have been someone would have came upon
0: yeah especially if he had left and been in that area or like let's say he walked through that construction zone in the back he definitely would have been found if something happened
1: right another theory is foul play was involved with his disappearance which is possible but you know, no enemies or anything were mentioned of him. Another theory is that Brian voluntarily left. And the kind of thought behind this one is that he wanted to grieve his mother's passing or start a new life. Since he had been gone this long without a trace, this seems pretty unlikely. And at some point, you know, he probably would have
0: reached out to somebody by now. Yeah. And that's just, if that was the case, I'm not saying it's not, but I'm just thinking it through. If that were what he decided to do, that's just an odd timing and way to do it. Like you're at the bar at two in the morning with your friends and you're like, okay, now it's time to leave and
1: Right. Not and not tell to anyone. mention not to mention that he knew what his family just went through with his mom's passing and then to go and do that without giving them any information. Probably knew exactly how that would feel for his brother and dad.
0: Right. And he's supposed to go on this trip with his girlfriend a couple days later, and he calls her that day to make sure they're still on and everything's good to meet up on Monday and whatnot. And then you're just going to be like, okay, sounds like yeah. a good night to leave and, and do this. That like, just- like
1: gives the false hope, you know? Yeah,
0: that just doesn't make any sense. So
1: yeah, there's really no other major reasons for him to disappear by choice for this long. Then another theory is that his disappearance could be connected to the Smiley Face murders, if this were true, Brian would be the only known victim of this alleged serial killer whose body had still not been found. Mm-hmm. Columbus police and FBI do not believe that Brian Schaefer's disappearance is connected to the Smiley Face murders. I don't really think so either. I mean, I don't I don't see that. I don't, no, I don't either. I was thinking, and this is just me, I don't know really why this would happen, but it would make sense if he left the bar And either he willingly got into a car or unwillingly somebody pulled him into a car. He wouldn't have been seen by any of the security cameras of the bars around that area. And his cell phone could have been pinged 14 miles away. Yeah. So connected to foul
0: play somehow. Yeah. Right. Or if something, again, just speculating, but if something potentially happened to him and then the people involved covered it up somehow and that's why he hasn't been found even right. if it was an accident they're like oh fuck or if they were like somehow part of that accident and they were like oh fuck you know right that's what i
1: was thinking as well like it was dark it was 2 a.m there may have not been a lot of people out if something happened and they were part of this they would try to cover it potentially try to cover it up
0: right whether it be his friends or someone like you said he just met along the way like I a- taxi driver or a a random person on the street who knows
1: which is so sad because that's probably never going to come to light that's the case
0: i freaking hope it does i know so this part is just awful as well sadly we're going to discuss brian's father's passing which happened in september 2008 there was a heavy windstorm and Randy Schaefer was in his yard in Baltimore moving debris when a branch flew off of a tree and killed him. Like, how does this even happen? When I had read that, I'm, like, sick. And, I'm again, I'm sick to my stomach that this happened and that all these devastating things happened to this family. And now Brian's brother Derek has had to go through all of this trauma over and over. Right, and he's just left in it. I
1: can't even imagine what he's going through.
0: No, not at all. So his neighbors, Randy's neighbors, found his body the next day and called the police. Randy's obituary was posted, and one of the signatures where you could post condolences online wrote, quote, To Dad Love Brian, U.S. Virgin Islands. Which is really fucking strange. I have so many mixed feelings about
1: this. It honestly just makes me so mad.
0: I know. If it wasn't him, which this was later determined to be a hoax and was posted by a computer in Franklin County, so it wasn't him.
1: Who the fuck would do that? Who has the time to go out and, like, think of that kind of horrible thing to do and then do it? Like, what? A truly evil
0: person. Honestly, like, to give somebody hope like that, that is so fucked up. hmm And not only hope like that, but to comment that on his father's obituary that just passed away. Right. Like, you are one fucking sick human being. It's so fucked up. Moving into some of the aftermath after all of this happened, Don Corbett is a private investigator who has volunteered to help the Schaefer family. Shout out, Don. You're amazing. Yes. After Randy's death, Clint Florence's attorney, remember Clint Florence was Brian Schaefer's friend that he went out with, reached out to the private investigator. He addressed Florence's refusal to take the lie detector test, along with some choice words. He also stated that Florence had nothing to hide and already told everything he knew. So... I read this statement and I have, like, mixed feelings on it because I understand how he would want to come forward and be like, okay, he doesn't need to take this lie detector test. This is why he didn't take it, right? Mm -hmm. But some of the way he worded things and some of the things he said was, like, really harsh and also, in a way, made Florence look a little guilty, even if he's not obviously it's his lawyer so that wasn't his purpose of doing that but just the way things were worded were a little sketchy is what i'm trying to say
1: right and like what was this unprovoked that they just reached out to this pi or uh, it doesn't make sense to me like if you knew you weren't involved why would you have your attorney reach out to the pi
0: right and why right after randy died
1: It's just weird.
0: When Randy was one of the ones hardcore fighting to find out where his son is and then all of a sudden his dad passes away and you're, like, releasing this statement to the private investigator. Mm -hmm. It's just strange. So Brian's brother Derek, as well as Brian's girlfriend Alexis, have both said that they think Florence knows more about what happened that night. And they each kind of said it in their own way where – one of them thinks he might have been involved in something that happened, and one of them thinks, oh, I don't think he's involved, but I just think he knows, like, a little more. Even if Brian decided to, let's say, leave on his own, he knows a little more about what happened. Right, and, like, what they feel.
1: just, like, the details that could lead to something.
0: Right. In 2014, Columbus police said they were still receiving about two tips a month regarding the case. And Andre Edwards, an original investigator on the case, told Columbus Monthly that there's quote, 100% certainty that Brian did not leave the ugly tuna saloon using the escalator. Meaning, they know for sure he did not leave on the escalator in disguise, as suggested earlier.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was, that would make it seemed like he was doing it on purpose, which I still think is just not right.
0: Right. And then he would have like brought all that stuff with him, carried it around the whole night with this whole elaborate plan to get in disguise and leave. I just don't see it. Police have said they have three theories as to what could have happened to Brian, but have declined to elaborate on that. So we don't know exactly what their theories they're thinking are. I really wish they would elaborate because that could help put pieces together
1: for people. In 2019, a picture circulated of, quote, an alleged American homeless man in Tijuana, Mexico. And that was a quote from Wikipedia. He was thought to resemble Brian. And in 2020, the detective in charge of this case sent the image to the FBI. Facial recognition analysis was conducted and it was determined to not be Brian Schaefer. So that was rolled out.
0: I'm happy that they actually went forward and relayed it to the FBI and actually checked that.
1: I agree. Because, like, you never know. March of 2021, the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation released an age progression of Brian. We'll post that picture. It has now been 16 years since Brian Schaefer went missing. Oh, that is so long.
0: That makes my heart hurt so much for his family and for him. Like, where is he? I don't know, but he deserves to be found. For any
1: information leading to Brian or the recovery of Brian, there is a $100,000 reward offered by Central Ohio Crime Stoppers, which is amazing. Your call to action, if you have any information regarding this case, is to please contact the columbus division of police at 614-645-2358 or you can go to stopcrime.org to submit a tip online according to the poster on fbi.gov you can also contact detective andre edwards of the columbus police department ohio at 614-645-4624 or email a Edwards at Columbuspolice.org. And lastly, you can also contact the FBI VICAP at eight hundred six three four four zero nine seven or VICAP at leo.gov. And we will put all of those on our Facebook page.
0: Lots of options for people to get in touch regarding this case.
1: Please, if you have any information about anything that happened, even if you saw him walking past you on the street or in the bar, like, that is little things that could come together. Wow. Well,
0: I just, I mean, I really hope we can get Laura on this one, and if anyone knows how to get in touch with his brother, let us know, because I've been trying to figure that out, and so far... Haven't had much luck with it, but I'm really hoping whether it be his brother or his girlfriend from back in the day, even though I'm sure she has a whole other life now outside of all that, obviously with him close to her heart, but right. I hope we can get one of them maybe to do a reading or something because, I mean, that I feel like that's what he has left. Right. And if not, maybe we'll just have to do it with Laura, even though I'm sure there's many questions we don't have answers for.
1: Right. And I think regardless, it's just it deserves to be talked about. Yeah, we're going to have to try to figure that out.
0: Anything else you want to comment on before we wrap
1: up this episode? I don't think so. It's just so sad that there's not more information. I wish we had more to talk about.
0: I know. When we get cases like that, I mean, even all the cases, but especially cases of missing persons or unsolved cases, I'm like, I wish we could just see the freaking case files.
1: I know. Because <laughs> there's like, so can't many- can we just
0: go through it? <laughs> yeah, because there's so many details that I just want to know, like teeny tiny details that I have questions for. Right. It's just so frustrating. And- I mean, if we're this frustrated, I literally cannot even imagine how the families and friends of the people we discuss on this podcast are feeling.
1: Yeah, I just, I I, I like, I just wish we had more to talk about. Mm-hmm. All right, I guess we can get into our spiel. Let's do it. All right. So, you know where to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crime Cults and Coffee. Our Facebook is where we post weekly photos from every case Resources and contact information if they are available for each case. Our Instagram is where we have our link tree in our link in our bio, and that's where you can find all of our podcast listening platforms. We also post weekly photos of episodes.
0: If you have a case suggestion or a listener story, you can DM them to us at Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram or Crime Colts and Coffee at gmail.com. Also, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a a rate and review. It really helps our podcast. That's literally what you can do to help us. If you love listening to us, please just keep doing it. We actually got a really sweet review this past week that we saw from Madeline. Shout out Madeline. So cute. I was like crying. So thanks
1: so much for making my whole week.
0: I know. And she has sent us messages before like really sweet messages and she has sent us a case suggestion that i promise we're going to get to (laughs) but her review is awesome and madeline send us your info so we can send you some stickers you get a sticky yeah if you don't listen to us on apple podcasts you on any listening platform of your choice can like can follow can subscribe and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week So thank you guys for listening. Thank you. Make sure to follow that call to action if you can, if you're able, if you know information about Brian Schaefer. And until next week. Bye, guys. Bye.